and welcome to Jewish Times, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. My name is Jeff Silberblatt, I'm your host, and my mission is to always bring you an interesting and a timely conversation with individuals who connect Jewish Atlanta locally, nationally, and around the world. This podcast is quite timely. We're going to speak to two of the clinicians from JF&CS, Jewish Family and Career Services. First, Ellen Zucro. She's been with JF&CS for over 13 years, a psychotherapist, and she's the clinical supervisor to the other clinicians at JF&CS. She received her Master of Social Work from the University of Georgia in 1995. Also, we'll speak with Dan Arnold a licensed clinical social worker who completed his MSW at the University of Maryland at Baltimore, and he's got over 20 years of experience providing psychotherapy and education to individuals of all ages. Oh my goodness, if someone had said that there would be a pandemic and one tumultuous event after another in the year that has been 2020, I think we would all want to mimic a bear and go hibernate and wake up when the calendar says January 1. Let's talk about some of the events that we have gone through. Now, we're going to take out the pandemic because that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. But let's talk about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. So many critical events such as Trump's impeachment. That happened pretty much just as COVID was becoming a real thing. Black Lives Matter, the protests and the looters and the defunding of the police and the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And then on top of that, we add in COVID-19 and all of the things that we can't do, all of the events that have been canceled, all of our lives have been confined to our homes. And so Ellen and Dan how do we cope? Dan, I'm going to let you go first. Wow. When you um, when you list the events of 2020 in that way, it is, um, it, it, it's quite simply overwhelming. And it is really easy to understand why people, we are struggling with the after effects of what has been a tumultuous period in our lives. You know, what we know is that all of these events, all of the unpredictability, all of the chaos, all of the the barrage of scary news and the barrage of events that we not only witness from afar, but we are absolutely participating in on a daily basis. It's overwhelming. And, and, and people are feeling stressed and anxious and there is fear and quite simply, Jeff, I think there's amazement that, that we're weathering all of this. And so part of what I think about when you describe the events of 2020 is the resilience that we're all demonstrating, that we're all showing on a daily basis as we get up and live our lives and stay, ideally, hopeful about a future. Ellen, with your role at JF and CS, what's mm-hmm. changed this year, in the last six or eight months, versus what you've dealt with in previous years with the clients of JF and CS? So I think 
A lot of the issues um, and a lot of the things that clients bring to us are the same. People go through life events, changes, you know, all kinds of of things, illness, family issues, and, and the usual things that people bring to the table. What is different is that on top of it all, the stressors of the pandemic and the stressors of the politics. And I think one of the biggest pieces is um, the fact that people are much more alone. They're at home more. They may not be as connected to friends or family. And so whatever the usual issues are, they, they're taking on a whole different level of stress and of intensity because people are much more alone and isolated and doing less, even though they're trying to get up every day and, and do something. You know, people are not going out as much. They're not um, around friends and family as much. They're just not as engaged in life. And so I think while things are the same, it's the intensity of it and the management of it, the, the isolation that people are feeling and doing it more alone uh, than usual. And, and so what I would say is that my, while my job remains the same, what we talk about, what, how people are conceptualizing what's going on, how they're handling what's going on is more intense because many times they are more isolated or more alone. That adds an, a whole other layer to the factor. And the other thing is that there, there is the pandemic and so people are losing their loved ones and people that they know and friends and family um, in a way that has never happened before. So they cannot participate in funerals in the same way or even in joyful events in the same way. Marriages, just it has changed people's lives in, on so many levels. You mentioned the amount of stress that your clients seek out for you to help comfort them. Have you been stressed? How has the pandemic and where we are in 2020, how's it changed you? Well, um, while at times we share similarities to our clients, and what I mean by that is we all go through different stressors in our life or events in our lives, we are truly all going through this together. We are truly experiencing life as it is this year in 2020 together. We, I, Dan, everybody, we're going through the political process. We're going through the pandemic. In fact, I think that it forces me to really focus that much more on my own self-care and be that much more aware of how I'm managing my own stress so that I can be more helpful to other people. Dan, let me ask you the same question. How are you doing personally with everything else exploding around us? Yeah, Jeff, that's a great question, and I appreciate you asking it. This has been unequivocally, if I can say the word, a stressful year. This has been a stressful experience. Our lives, my life has been turned upside down as much as anyone else's. Um, From personal transitions, such as thinking my daughter was going to be away at college this year, to her living at home this year, to, um, you know, my other daughter being in online school all year long, and my wife being home, working from home after a 
you know, uh, a furlough from her employer. Some would this see is, that as a blessing. Some would see it as a blessing, absolutely. And it's stressful. Let's, sure. <laughs> let's call it what it is. Were you expecting to be an empty nester with your daughter at college? I, I wasn't expecting to be an empty nester, but I was expecting my daughter to have the privilege and the joy of living a college life. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to go to work every day and participate and interact with my colleagues that are both supportive and, you know, we learn from each other and we collaborate in a way in person that being online is challenging. You know, I'm, I, I think I'm fortunate in that my relationship at home remains solid and stable. We know that divorce rates are on the rise in this country, partly as a result of the pandemic. We also know that family relationships are strained in a different way due to the loneliness and isolation and illness that Ellen referred to, but also due to the the political environment in in, in our country right now, that there are families that aren't talking to each other anymore because they fall on different sides of the, uh, of, of the political spectrum. And I was going to ask, with the anxiety and the stress that came to us with the pandemic, and then we went into an election season that really didn't go very well. Um, That's probably an understatement, by the way. And, and so I, I want to ask both of you, have you seen that anxiety and stress doubled, tripled, quadrupled specifically because of the election and whether my guy won or your guy won. Ellen, tell me about what you're seeing in your clients who may not be political people to begin with and how the political season changed what you saw. So let me just say, I mean, these are such good questions because it's not only families that are being fractured by this, but (laughs) people's friendships You know, so um, this is becoming a part of everyday life. And if I tell you, people are not sleeping. Their whole sense of trust in what's going on, on how, you know, we all kind of trust that there's a greater picture. Maybe somebody's watching out for our well-being. And all of that, for so many of my clients, is being questioned. What can you trust? What is real? Um, the you know do I share values with my friends and family? What do I do when we don't share values? Should I cut this person out of my life? How do I keep this person in my life? But we really disagree. You know, I want to wear a mask. So and so may not want to wear a mask. Is this somebody I can never be friends with because of these things? So, you know, this brings a whole other level of questioning and trust and ways that people are relating questions they're asking uh, that we've never really confronted to this extent before. And clients bring that to, they certainly bring it to me. I think I'm sure um, the other therapists hear it all the time. And these are really intense and, and deep questions because it can undermine the stability that people have and feel in their lives. If they can't rely on their families, like what do they do? If they can't, um, 
you know, if they're their mother and they disagree on something, can I can I lean on my mother? Because how could she believe this? And so, you know, there's this sort of mistrust um, and a sense of what is real and what isn't. And I think that's that just adds to stress because people are feeling scared. Dan, in your bio, it says that your work is based in establishing a safe and supportive environment for one another. How do you work with your clients when they come in and exactly what Ellen said, oh my goodness, I just found out that my dad voted for him and now we can't even have dinner together. Take me through the top five things that you go through with your clients so that, well, they can continue living under the same roof. Great question. You know, I think first and foremost, we build relationship. We build safe space where the folks with whom we work feel comfortable being vulnerable, sharing their concerns, sharing their fears, sharing their hopes. And and we do that through validation and we do that through empathy and we do that through providing a space that is consistent and accepting. Part of what we do in therapy, part of what we do through relationship building is we help folks kind of unpack their bags, so to speak. And and I use the metaphor of, of, of truly kind of someone brings a bag of th- th- their bag of stuff in the office and we unpack it and we look at what's in there and we reorganize the bag in a way that makes sense for the individual. And sometimes that is looking at the disappointments and the injuries that they've experienced in their interactions and recognizing that they own their stuff and somebody else has to own, you know, their stuff. And we can only be responsible for what we contribute and how we interact with those, with those others in our lives. I would say that 2020 had a lot of stuff to put in those bags <laughs> that people bring into you. Absolutely. Ellen, and you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is I think regardless of the actual views that people have, it's really important to listen and be respectful and also understand that underneath whatever views a person might have, while there may be some ways to clarify certain things, people are scared. People are trying to live their lives and they need help in figuring out how to live with differences or how to respect, you know, the differences that they might have with people that they still want to maintain relationships with. So, you know, the the content is important, but the issues remain the same. And what I mean by that is what do we do when we have a family member or a friend that might be making a decision that we don't agree with or might have a point of view that, that we feel really strongly about is not our point of view. And they're different than we are. And regardless of what that is, our role is to really help the clients um, negotiate that and to understand what they are feeling and what is going on because it's it's not healthy, um, although sometimes it's necessary to fracture a family, you know, but what, what can you do? Can we not talk about politics 
but continue to talk about some other things that we do share right now. And so part of the work that we're doing with people that may have differing point of views with the people close to them is helping them negotiate that. We, we may not change anyone's mind, and it's not really our role to do that, but we also have to help them understand that they may, that may not happen for them, but there are ways of still maintaining relationship even when you have differences. Coming up, I ask Ellen and Dan about using Jewish wisdom when counseling their clients. This is Jewish Time, brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times. Let's be honest, this is hard. All of us are dealing with uncertainty, sadness, and grief. Some of us are dealing with elderly parents, children stuck at home, job loss, or people that we know who are sick. Jewish Family and Career Services is here to help you cope during this troubling time. They have 30 highly trained licensed therapists ready to listen and offer guidance and support by phone or by video conference. They have free support groups for parents, caregivers, and college students, and therapy groups for people in recovery and victims of domestic abuse. If you're having a hard time and just need someone to talk to, give them a call at 770-677-9474 or on the web at jfcsatl.org. I want to ask both of you that when you're counseling and working with your clients, do you bring in Jewish wisdom to help them through a situation? Dan, I'll start with you. Yeah, so I think it, it depends on who I'm talking to, partly, quite honestly. And, and it depends on the situation. You know, I think we bring in probably what is, what is universal wisdom around the golden rule, quite honestly, that we want to treat others th the way that we want to be treated. So is that Jewish wisdom? Sure. I think that counts as Jewish wisdom. We'll take credit for it. Um, you know, I, I think the other, I think the other piece of wisdom that, that is Jewishly oriented and certainly advocated probably in our religion again, is this idea of taking care of oneself, of practicing self-care, of doing the things that we need to do to take care of our bodies and our and our and our souls and our minds. So being kind and gentle to oneself. So getting exercise, so getting the right amount of sleep. So taking the medication that the doctor prescribes, even though you may not want to take it. I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a Jewish scholar. But I, but I believe it's um, pekuach hanefesh. I may be wrong there, but it's taking care of the soul, and, and, and that is Jewish wisdom that we ascribe to. I, I may not refer to it from by by the Hebrew terminology, but again, I, I think there is a universality to the to spiritual care. Ellen, tell me about the Jewish wisdom that you rely upon to help your clients through a particularly a particularly bad situation that they might present you with? You know, it, it, that's timely because I just used this today. I think what I've used the most during this time is around the issue of grief, grieving and, and loss, because often people say, well, how long should I be sad? Or when should I start going to, you know, events? 
um, people have so many questions about what is appropriate in terms of ways of grieving or time, length. And so even today, you know, in Judaism, they essentially give you a year, even though um, I really don't like to put a time limit on it. But it people find a lot of comfort in that when when I say that to them, because they, they almost, I can almost hear it where they can take a really deep breath and say, oh, it's okay for me to take this time, to take this year and not make big decisions or not um, go to a wedding if it's six months in and I don't want to attend because I'm too sad. So um, I think that's really during this time, the issue of grief and, and grieving that people do find comfort in that. Um, don't you think that since the pandemic became quite serious in April and May, don't you think that we've all been grieving? Whether we have lost loved ones or not, we've been grieving for the type of lives that, we've, that we're used to living, that we want to live, for the friends that we can't see, the family that we can't hug. Don't you think that there's grief all around us right now because of everything going on in this year that just seems it just won't stop with bad news. So, so I think the other thing that Jewish tradition teaches us is that we grieve in community. You know, that's what Shiva is. Shiva is our community, our loved ones coming together to grieve with us, to support us in times of grief. And the pandemic has made that really challenging, doing this in community where, where where people come and they join with us. One of the one one of the mantras that I've been using and I think others have been using is that it's it's during times of social distancing or physical distancing, excuse me, that we really need social connection, that we need to do need to feel part of a community feet, need to feel connected to the ones that we love and care about. And yes, Jeff, I think we've been experiencing loss after loss after loss during this pandemic. And it's not just death. It's, you know, the high school senior that didn't get to go to a prom or or the weddings that were canceled or rescheduled as a small intimate gathering instead of this gala that was going to celebrate a connection of a union. So the losses are overwhelming and we and, and and we both mourn them and we I hope are celebrating some of the changes that that will emerge from this difficult time. And you know, I I'm just thinking, Dan, as you're talking, that there's there's a way in which what we are all going through this sort of collective grief mimics the real grief process because I think what happens is we go through sort of these phases where we feel like this is never going to end and everything is just awful. And then there gets, you know, there's a little glimmer. Either we find a creative way to do something or we hear something that, you know, makes us happy or we find some other way to take care of ourselves or connect or whatever it is. And we get a little respite. And then it comes around again. And so, yes, there is a lot of grief. There's also a lot of creativity. People are spending more time outdoors. People are spending more family time um, in terms of, 
you know, they're, they're not visiting as much with extended family, but maybe with each other. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's challenging. But, you know, there is this sort of collective um, process of going through darker periods and then getting through that and having a little more lightness and then going through it again. And of course, mm-hmm. I know we all hope that, that, that this will come to an end, but um, that's what you're reminding me of, Dan, as you're talking. We are recording this middle part of December, and the vaccinations started yesterday. And soon we will all be in line to get our vaccination. And 2020 will just be a memory, and we will have started a brand new year. Both of you, give me three things that are your mantras for 2021. And Dan, I'm going to start with you. This is as if you were speaking to a client who has gone through the exact same anxiety and depression and stress that that we've all gone through. So it's a brand new year. What are you going to tell me to make me feel better and to to get me through the doldrums? So so the first thing that I'm going to remind you of is, is, again, your resilience in surviving 2020. Even with the loss, even with the sadness, even with the political chaos, that that we've made it through to the next year. And I'm going to encourage you to remember what we've experienced and acknowledge the pain and the suffering and the joy and the wisdom that we glean from it. You know, the the, cat, the, the the butterfly is a caterpillar before they're a butterfly and they become this beautiful creature. So they wrap themselves up in their cocoon and they emerge in a, in a different life. Well, maybe this has been our cocoon. 2020 has been our cocoon. And we're, and, and we're emerging into 2020, this glorious butterfly who... Who, who brings joy and beauty to the world. I like that. I think it, it, it's about potential, right? And it's about recognizing our potential. The other thing I think that 2020 has taught us is how to be present, is how to stop and how to breathe and how to be in the moment and recognize that this is, this is an opportunity to learn new skills new behaviors, and and, and even establish new relationships, both with ourselves and with others. So so the message for 2021 is to continue that work and continue to breathe and continue to be present and, and, and live, enjoy our lives. Ellen, do you want to expound on that? Three things that you're going to work with your clients on to get past 2020 and start this brand new year. I think um, in some ways, similarly to Dan, uh, to continue to really focus on the small things, not look too far ahead, but that there are small things every day um, that we can focus on that, that make us feel a little happier, a little more settled. Um, people, Lots of people took on new hobbies or maybe started something new, even if it's going for a walk every day. Um, some people became politically active, you know, they couldn't go anywhere, but could, they could make calls from home. And so 
one of the things that um, I am going to continue to encourage people to do is find those small ways that they can continue to feel in the world, connected to the world as best as they can, um, and appreciate, you know, whatever it is. And if it's snow that comes, you know, to appreciate the snow or a beautiful day or the wind, sometimes it is only the smallest things that we can appreciate, but they bring us the most joy because they settle us in the moment when we're so worried about what's what's happening down the road. The other thing is that I'm hopeful that we will really continue to develop a deeper appreciation of things that we may took, have taken for granted before that we haven't been able to do or, um, you know, people we haven't been able to see or activities. And when we can get back to them to really take the time to appreciate that and that it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. So having appreciation for the change and, and the other thing I want to say, which is true and what I love most about the people we work with and what I learn the most every day is that we are resilient and resilience comes in many forms. Um, and to remember that we all possess that and we hopefully will get through this. I believe we will. And I often remind people of that because I really do believe it. It's a long road and, and, you know, the vaccine and all of that's going to take a while, but we will get through this. And I think sometimes people just need to know that, feel that, be reminded of that. So I'm just going to keep on that message. Ellen Zucrow and Dan Arnold both work at Jewish Family and Career Services in Atlanta. I want to thank you both for some great insights on how to sweep away the blank show that 2020 has been and how to get ready for 2021 on a fresh start with open eyes and uh, hopefully an open mind. Thank you both for your time. Thank you for the time to talk. Take care. Thank you for downloading and listening to Jewish Time, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. Please log on to atlantajewishtimes.com to find out more about our podcasts, read insightful articles, and for subscription information. That's atlantajewishtimes.com. I'm Jeff Silberblatt. Thanks for your time.